Let's pray. My prayer this morning, Father, is a simple one, that you would give me a heart for your word and a word for our hearts. Amen. So we're going to take a short survey here, three questions. Raise your hand if you've ever been in love. There you go. Okay. Raise your hand if you've ever fallen out of love. Mm-hmm. And raise your hand if the person you loved ever disappointed you. Ah, so we're all in a very similar boat here. Now, Jesus said that we are to love God with all our heart, soul, mind. And in the Aramaic, in Deuteronomy 4, 6, 4, that Jesus was quoting, it also adds strength or might or power. It depends on how the translators choose to go with it, which is why it might stick in your head that the commandment is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's what it says in Deuteronomy. Well, Paul and Jesus described the relationship because you have to have a relationship if there's two people, us and God, as a marriage relationship. He calls the church the bride of Christ. He compares the relationship between a man and his wife as the relationship between Christ and the body, the head of the body. So then you have to ask the question, how do people fall in love? Well, psychology has studied this, and you happen to have a psychologist as your pastor, so let's look at it for a second. And I just want you to not answer these out loud, but but think on these. The first thing we have to talk about is what psychology calls the laws of attraction. How do people fall in love? Well, the first law is this, proximity. It's really hard to fall in love with somebody that you're not near. Now, the Internet has changed that because we can see and talk and build a relationship with people that are thousands of miles away. But for those of us of a certain age, you had to be near the person before you become attracted to them. Yes? The second thing is you have to become familiar with them. You have to get to know them. So when I I cover this always on the first day of my class at the college, when I teach basic psychology, I say, okay, folks, it's too late for you now, but if you want to fall in love in your next college class, be a little bit late, scope the room, find the person you would like to be attracted to or have them be attracted to you and sit next to them. There you go. And as you go through, you just start up a conversation. So, What's your major? Where do you live? And you build a familiarity as the course goes on. And the third one is similarity, right? You're stuck in that class together. You've got to do all the papers. You've got to do all the tests. And you begin to find out that you have things in common, similarity. The third one is mutual needs or complementary needs. Maybe they're really good at taking notes, but you're really good at studying. And you say, well, you know what? If you copy your notes for me, why don't we get together next Friday or whatever day you pick and study? And we can help each other get through this together. Ah, see? And then the last step uh, is called the reciprocity of liking. The best way to explain this is the TV show Family Matters. Do you remember Urkel in Family Matters with his pants all the way up to his 
his above his belly button and the big thick glass and he go did I do that and he was in love from the first day with Laura, Laura. see I knew you would get that one <laughs> and you knew before that show was over Laura and Urkel would wind up together why because we cannot help but like people who like us the psychological term if you're taking notes is the reciprocity of liking. Now, how does this happen mechanically, psychologically? Let me help you out. There's two really great books. One we covered in Thursday Night Bible Study called The Five Love Languages, and another one written by Willard Harley called how, um, His Needs, Her Needs, How to Build in a, Prayer, a Fair Proof Marriage. And they both have the same concept at the beginning, and that's that every relationship is like a bank account. One calls it a love bank, and one calls it a love tank, but let's take a marriage that I know fairly well. Let's say I had a wife and her name was Vicky. Vicky and I have an emotional bank account, and I make deposits into that account, and to be honest, I make withdrawals from that account, right? Let's say I stop by the store and I pick up a Reese's pumpkin. Vicky's favorite candy. And let's say that this imaginary wife named Vicky worked nights as a nurse. And in the morning, I, I always make the bed, but my imaginary wife named Vicky said, you know what, I don't like to unmake the bed. So now I make it like a hotel room. I pull down the corner. And what if I were to take this Hershey pumpkin and put it on the pillow? And when she came home from work, she'd go, oh... I have just made a deposit. See how that works? Let me set my pumpkin down, because we know that I'm hot-blooded, and the longer I keep it in my pocket, the less it will resemble a Hershey's pumpkin, and I might need to use it later. Now, what Willard Harley, in his book, Hidden Needs, Her Needs, talks about, and I want you to really hear this, because it applies to our relationship with Christ, is that if a husband or a wife is not making consistent deposits and the account is low and somebody else comes along and unintentionally begins to make deposits. I tell my students at the college that perhaps the most dangerous thing anybody can say to another person is, are you okay? Because you're sitting at the lunchroom at your, your place of work, you've had a rough day, your account is empty, and a, a person of the opposite sex sits down and goes, are you okay? And you go, oh, thank you for asking. They just made a deposit. And then you tell them, well, you know, this is going on, this is going on. And they listen to you and they don't judge you and they don't yes but you. And all of a sudden the account starts to fill up. And then you go, well, let's not talk just about me. How are you doing? Oh, they say, I've had a horrible day. And unintentionally, you have opened an account and you're making deposits. And now you get together for lunch every day. You look forward to lunch. Maybe you sneak out to lunch a couple times. And all of a sudden, I want you to hear this. The new account is higher than the old account. And your brain says, I am in love with the wrong person. This account is too long. Now, listen to what God says. 
Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength. He says, if you do that, your account with me will be full. What do we do? We love money. We love work. We love our hobbies. We love our TV shows. We love our Netflix and chill. And we are making deposits in accounts that mean nothing in eternity. But they make us feel good for the moment. So there are really four things that I'm talking about here. The first one is this. It's, it's the verbal. God wants us to tell him he loves us. Vicki likes to hear me say I love you on occasion. And I'll be honest. When she works nights, I send her a poem. I send her a silly little roses or red poem. I send them almost every time she works. I have missed a couple. I'll be honest. I don't miss very often. But it's so important to her that she says, well, you know, it's okay, I understand, but you missed my poem last night. <laughs> Roses are red. At church, you're my fan. I'm glad you're my woman and I am your man. <laughs> See that? It's that easy. I dash off one. Here we go. I have another one here. Roses are red. I love you a bunch. Right after church, let's go out for lunch. For lunch. I got a nod. For those of you that are listening, I got a nod, right? And, and did you notice everybody chuckled a little bit and she checks her phone at three or four in the morning and there's a poem there for me and it says verbally, I love you. It's not like the couple that went to see the pastor and she said, I don't know if he loves me. And he looked her right in the eye and he said, hey, I told you I love you the day we got married and if it ever changes, I'll let you know. As much as my wife needs to hear me say, say the words, I love you, God needs to hear you say, I love you. So the first title, first part of this sermon title is poems. So you stick it in your mind. Now, I don't have a roses or red poem for God, but that's what he's looking for. Something from your heart, something original that says, I love you. Now, Imagine if that's the only thing I did for Vicky. I love you. I sent her poems. I said I love you. I didn't do anything else. Would Vicky be happy with me? Probably, probably not. I need to hold her hand on occasion. Now, I'll tell you, I love holding hands in the winter. I hate holding hands in the summer. I, I see some people understand Summer, it gets all sweaty and sticky. And I just don't like sticky, sweaty hands. So she'll reach over on occasion and hold my hand like on the boardwalk. But after a little bit, she looks at me because she loves me. She goes, is it too much? I'm like, yes, <laughs> we're done. We're done. Right? She wants me to hug her. She wants me to kiss her. She wants me to hold her hand. She wants me to. And, and think about this, because we do this to the people. We just lean into her. Right? You're sitting next to each other at a movie theater and you just lean in. It says, I'm here. Well, God needs that from you as well. He needs you to lean into him. He needs you to, to come to his house and to lean into the relationship. It's a promise we make. Now, you know that I know the Methodist prayer book better than the Baptist prayer book, mostly because there is no Baptist prayer book. But when you join the Methodist church, it says, I will support the church with my prayers, my presence, 
my gifts, and my service. Well, you can't lean into somebody if you don't show up. You've got to be there. And it's a promise that we make. The other promise we make is that we're going to support with our service. It's not just your presence. You don't just get to be a bench warmer. You got to play on the team. Every now and then, you got to fold the laundry. Every now and then, you got to empty the dishwasher, put out the trash, rearrange the things that you've left all over the house, run the vacuum. Now, that's not one in our house. We have all hardwood floors. There is no vacuum to be run. Oh, I am so happy about that. I don't know about you. I grew up in that. What seemed to always be my chore. I hate running the vacuum. And I don't have to because we don't have any rug. But... Right? It's a promise that you make. I'm not just going to say I love you or I'm not just going to show up. I'm going to participate. I will is what we're saying. The next thing I want you to think about is generosity. Your prayers, your presence, your gifts, and your service. God is generous with us. Just look out the window at this beautiful world. We are just exactly the right amount of front distance from the sun that we don't turn into popsicles at night. Isn't that a good thing to know? Nobody froze to death. And we are, we are not so close as that we turn into burned matchsticks every morning when the sun comes up. We are the perfect distance away from the sun. Isn't that wonderful? Have you noticed the palette of colors with which he's painting the world? Have you listened to a child's laugh? Have you heard people sing the praises of God? God gives to us every day. And he says, what do I want? I want you to give something back. Let me catch up with my notes here. So the first word in the title of the sermon were poems. God needs us to tell us, needs us to tell him that we love him. Next is the promises. He needs us to fulfill the promises that we make when we enter into this relationship. And the last P in this title is pumpkins, because he needs us to give back. I may have told this story before. I, I, I save it for special occasions. But when I was in college, I dated a girl who had a car. Now, if you've ever gone away to college, you always want to date a girl or a guy that has a car. Why? Because then you can get away from the college campus. And uh, we, we had proximity and similarity and reciprocity of liking. And we got in the car. We went to the movies. We went out to Denny's. Now, before, for the young people, before there was Wendy's and Taco Bell all night long, the only place you could go, like after 11 o'clock at night when I was in college, was Denny's. We would go to Denny's. We went to see the Mahoney Brothers. That's who was before Beatlemania. They were the first band to really model after the Beatles. We went to Beatlemania. We dated for about four or five weeks. Every weekend, every chance we got. I really liked this girl. She really liked me. She said to me, do you want to go someplace special? I said, sure. We hopped in her car and we, we started driving. We drove... We drove out into the country. We drove on dark roads. Weird. I'm like, where are we going? She's oh, it's special. You'll see. She drove me right into the middle of a cornfield in Lawrenceville, New Jersey. She said to me, do you like me? I said, sure. 
I like you. We have a lot of fun together. Uh, and she said, well, why haven't you kissed me yet? And I said, well, I don't want to be too forward. She's like, it's been five weeks. She says, well, here's how it works. I said, okay. She said, you could kiss me or you could walk home. <laughs> so I kissed her. But I want you to hear that. There's a, there's a commitment that comes from a relationship. And many of us get in God's car. And we're driving around and we're, we're going roller skating and to see the Mahoney brothers. We're going to Denny's late at night. We're, we're, we're taking advantage of all the things God has for us. And yet we're not fulfilling our end of the relationship. Love God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. Now, the, the Aramaic translation of this doesn't translate it strength. It translates it power. And I want you to hear this. Each one of us has power over our life. Now, you, you may not see it very often, and sometimes you may feel powerless. But the truth is, there are areas of control that each one of us have in our lives. If only what you put on in the morning and what you put on on your TV. You have power. You have power over the things you say to the people around you or to your Heavenly Father. You have power. You have power where you choose to go. You have power where you choose not to go. How are you using your power is a question that we need to ask. God asks us to love the Lord your God with all. I want you to hear that. That's where we're headed next. All your mind, all your soul, and all all your strength. It is not a menu from which you get to choose. You don't get to choose one from column A and two from column B. It is not something that you only get to do when you feel like it. Now, I will tell you the truth. Vicki ran the dishwasher on Friday. Last night, I wanted a bowl of ice cream. There were no bowls in the closet. So I opened up the dishwasher and I took out one clean bowl for my ice cream. I had butter pecan. All right? And Vicki and I looked at each other because neither one of us likes to... End. I don't know why. We have this tiny little kitchen. It's literally put it here to there. But neither one of us really looks forward to emptying the dishwasher. And I didn't. And the main reason I didn't do it is because I... Didn't feel like it. Didn't want to. Thank you, Don. I didn't feel like it. Well, you know what? Sometimes that's the way people are in their relationship with God. Well, I, I want to go to church. I, I, I want to give. I want to serve. But I don't feel like it today. Luke 6.45 says, For it is out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. Love God with all your heart. What comes out of your mouth? Now, if you know me and you've talked to me more than 10 minutes, you probably know Vicki's name, know where we live, and know what we've done recently. Why? Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. 
If you need a diagnostic for how you're doing on this relationship with God, how often do you talk about God? James 1.22 says, Be ye not just doers of the word, hearers of the word, but doers. And then he finishes with it, don't deceive yourselves. If you need a diagnostic, what comes out of your mouth and what comes out of your life? Are you supporting the work and the worship of your local church? Romans 12.1 says, brothers and sisters, present yourselves as a living sacrifice, holy unto God. Well, what does this mean for us today? It means this, you as the church, I as your pastor, and sometimes making deposits into the wrong account. We are building relationships that mean nothing for eternity, and we are building those relationships at the expense of the relationship we should have with God. It could be work, it could be school, it could be a boyfriend, a girlfriend, a husband, a wife, it could be your Facebook account. I wish people spent as much time reading their Bible as they did going like this. Wouldn't that be spectacular? It could be your chores. I know one man whose house is immaculate. Every blade of grass is cut to the same height. The edges are perfectly straight. You could measure them with a ruler. The shutters are always hung. The bushes are always trimmed. And inside his house, his family is falling apart. He's making deposits in the wrong account. Where are you making your deposits? Second thing, we may not be loving God with all of your prayers, your presence, or your gifts, your service. We might be looking up to God and saying, well, I'd love to, but I'm too busy. Or I've run out of, fill in the gap. Or there's something else I have to do, say, or give. Jesus says, the number one commandment is to put God First, hear this one. This may be the most difficult. One hour on Sunday is not enough. There are 168 hours in a week. You're probably thinking, why does Madison know that? Because Madison's obsessive compulsive and he knows things like that. There are 168 hours in the week. One hour is six-tenths of one percent of the week. One hour a week is not enough. Some of us only call when we need something. Do you have friends or family like that? <laughs> you see them on the caller ID and you think to yourself, I wonder what they want now. I got to tell you, it is a shame when your prayer gets to heaven. Sometimes God rolls his eyes and says, I wonder what they want now. Imagine, back to the relationship, if I only talked to Vicki when I wanted something from her, it would not last very long. Some of us only give to God last, out of our surplus, out of our leftovers. And God wants us to give it to him first. It's funny, if you go to a financial advisor to talk about your retirement, they always say the same thing. Pay yourself first. Take that chunk out, put it in your 401k or your 403b or your IRA, and then it'll be there when you retire. And then what do we do with our relationship with God? We put it last. 
Well, I'd love to go, but I'm a scout leader or a soccer coach, or you can fill in whatever it is that is stealing your time and your money and your energy away from God. God gave all he had.